Are you ready for some football? The only show dedicated exclusively to high school football in the first state. This is the Delaware High School Football Podcast, presented by WebsitesForSports.com. Here are your hosts, John Busby and Marty Sheehan. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and however you're listening. We're just glad that you are. This is the Delaware High School Football Pod presented by Websites for Sports, and we're the only media outlet exclusively covering high school football in the state of Delaware. The pod's available wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, or what is now is X, I should say, D-E-L-H-S Football, and on Facebook at the D-E-L-H-S Football Pod. And uh, on today's show... It's all playoff football time, and so we're going to dive right in. We're going to start by announcing the Week 10 Green Gridiron Top Performer, and it goes to Appaquinimic wide receiver Noah Hoff, and he, what he did, and what Marty might go down is, uh, it was the most exciting game of the year for me, because I was there, mm-hmm. and Appaquinimic beat Middletown for the first time in school history. Uh, nobody expected them to win. Uh, they ran away with it in the fourth quarter. Um, but what Noah Hoff did is, is he caught a 67 yard touchdown, all right, which he's done several times this year. I think (laughs) he's into double digits and touchdowns now, but he also had a pick six and you might say, well, there's a lot of pick sixes. Well, Noah Hoff has never played defense at the high school level until (laughs) this year. And, or I should say till this game. And it was odd. And we were in the stands and we're looking around and we're like, you know, 17, right. Is there two 17s on this team? And, And no, it was Noah Hoff. And um, sure enough, he got a pick six and it was a big pick six. And it really turned the momentum entirely in Appaquinimic's direction at that point. And uh, I, I asked his mom, Amy, after the game, I know it was a listener on the show. And, and I said, what was what was he put in there for? And she just typed back and said to get an interception. And she was dead <laughs> serious. She wasn't being cocky. You know, it, it was a situation where they felt that, you know, the way Middletown was going to have to throw the ball at that point in the game that put the guy with the best hands on the team. In the defense, and that's you exactly got to right. give credit to Timpson because that's really a hero or a goat moment. Because if Noah screws up somehow, yep. and and doesn't read a defense though, because he's not <laughs> right. used to it, yep. but man, did that work out right? It worked out perfectly. Um, and and then the third reason, um, because again, we've we've had guys who have scored touchdowns and gotten pick sixes on the defensive side of the ball, um, but it was the enormity of the game. Um, yep. you know, middle uh, Appaquinimic needed that win. You know, I think they were in either way, but you know, literally they knocked knocked off Middletown, and and they don't care about playoffs either way when they knock off Middletown because they've <laughs> only done it once now. Um, but it knocked Middletown out of the top four, and so Middletown is visiting Hudson this week. That's right. And so it was a it was a huge game. But what's not going to show up in the stats is that Appaquinimic had a brand new kicker, Jack Talley who's a first-team All-State soccer player, plays on the Appaquinimic High School team, obviously, uh, plays in front of my son and goalie, and I'm, I'm glad that he does because he's a great player. <laughs> and uh, Jack Talley uh, came in because their kicker, uh, Apple's normal kicker, um, had left the team because of lacrosse reasons, like his schedule, his travel lacrosse schedule changed, et cetera, et cetera. So all of a sudden, the Appaquinimic team is without a kicker. So they recruit Jack Talley. And uh, we, we talk all, all a lot about, you know, all these teams should have a soccer player as their kicker. And so uh, Jack Talley's in to kick for the first time. Well, Jack's a lefty. The previous kicker's a righty. And so now you've got to turn the holder around, and Noah Hoff is the holder. And, of course, the center's now 
you know, you would think it's going to the exact same spot, but when you look back and all of a sudden for the first time in 10 weeks, right. the holders turned around. And so there were a couple snaps that were iffy. And that's the term I use because they were obviously catchable because Noah did catch them. But I've, I know a lot of holders over the years and I've seen them drop similar iffy snaps. And so they weren't horrendous snaps. They were just iffy snaps, I call them. Noah got it, put it down, and Jack Talley was three for three for extra points. And he also kicked, I think it was a 27-yard field goal, which was a big field goal. And so Noah Hoff helped make that happen. So congratulations to Noah Hoff, our Grain Gridiron top performer. And you've heard of Grain Gridiron. Uh, everybody's heard of them. They've got restaurants all over the state of Delaware in the Summit Marina on the C&D Canal, Trolley Square, the Lewis in Lewis at the ferry terminal in Kennett Square and their new, newest location on the Star Campus in Newark. And they've become great spots to hang out. I know there's clubs that go there, book clubs, things like that. The menu's got a little bit of everything and then it's got some peculiar things too. Uh, my favorite part of Grain is knowing it was started by two guys who are huge supporters of the community, Jim Don O'Donohue and Lee Michaels. And they support the podcast, obviously, and we appreciate that they do. So congratulations to Noah Hoff of Appaquinamook High School, our Grain Gridiron top performer of the week. Noah was also named to the all-district team for Class 3A District 1. Um, all-state team hasn't been announced yet. Who knows if we'll make that or not, but congratulations to him for also making the all-district team. All right, that's going to take us to our Diamond Hill top performance. This is where we pick an offense, a defense, a team, a group, or whatever. Um, and Diamond Hill is also a local company celebrating their 20th year. They've been serving Delaware and the surrounding areas and all things construction, from commercial concrete and site development to residential projects. They've got you covered. You can email info at diamondhillinc.com for more information. That's info at diamondhillinc.com. All right, Marty, I'm going to get mine first, and it is to the Milford backfield of Denari Horsey and Charles Shorts. These guys both ran for more than a thousand yards. Yep. So it would be a great story if one of them ran for a thousand yards. But the fact that they both did is just a great accomplishment. And you know, you and I have been doing this a lot of time, a long time. And I can't remember the last time I knew a backfield where both guys ran for a thousand yards each. I'm I'm sure there has been. Um, I just don't know what it was. And so uh, Horsey ran 179 times for 1,187 yards and 14 touchdowns. And Charles Shorts ran 125 times for 1,130 yards and six touchdowns. So uh, Milford's backfield of Denari Horsey and Charles Shorts are my Diamond Hill top performance for week number 10. And I'm going to go with uh, Makai Beach from Hodgson. And uh, I know people saw the score over the weekend. Hodgson beat William Penn 16 to 12. And a lot of people said, wow, that's they really squeaked by there. Well, there partially was a reason for that. Not not necessarily that um, this is no offense to William Penn at all, but Bryshim Davis, their star um, receiver, kick return upon returner for Hodgson, uh, was injured and is out for the rest of the season now. And Makai um, Beach had to really pick it up because they really went to a ground game attack for the rest of the game against William Penn were able to hold them off uh, 16 to 12. So um, Makai Beach from Hodgson is my Diamond Hill top performer. All right. So congratulations to all of those folks. And before we dive into the 3A bracket, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Websites for Sports. That's websites, the number four, sports.com, started by Brian Rutter nearly two decades ago. It's got all the information you need. They've also added stats 
So it's easy for coaches or someone on the team to quickly add stats after a game that is seen a lot by the public, other coaches, other players. And they have a, a, another feature, which is my favorite feature, and you've heard me talk about it before, where you can sign up to be alerted when a schedule changes for a team that you follow. And this comes in so handy for me as I'm following uh, my kids' schedules, uh, sometimes following other teams' schedules for whatever reason. And so it's just a wonderful feature to have. And that's websites, the number four sports.com websites, the number four sports.com. And we appreciate them supporting the podcast. All right, Marty, let's dive in. We're going to start with the three, a bracket. And we're going to start at the top of the bracket. Uh, Sally's the number one seed with a nine and one record face Smyrna, the number eight seed. And let me say that again and slay it, say it slower. (laughs) Smyrna, the number eight seed with a four and six record in the playoffs. And I'm not shocked that they're in the playoffs. And I'm glad that they are Marty because they belong in the playoffs because they are definitely in the top eight, maybe still in the top four. We'll find out in the next few weeks. So I am glad that with the concoction of indexing and everything else that goes on, I'm glad that Smyrna was able to get in the playoffs and they weren't penalized for playing a very tough schedule like some of the other teams are in other sports. That's my dig at the soccer schedule with <laughs> Apoquinimic not getting in. But anyway, that's for another time and another date. Um, so they play Friday at 7 o'clock at Abyssinio. Um, this game is going to be televised on NFHS Network, so there is a fee to uh, watch it, but the 302 Sports Crew is going to be doing it. So if you want to sit home and watch it, you can. And then um, back in week three, these two teams squared off. Sally's won 28-12. to 12. And I think that surprised a lot of people, Marty, because that was after Sally's was coming off the two losses to open the season. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, including us, had Smyrna right at the top in the top three um, and were surprised that Sally's was able to pull off that victory. Uh, Sally's only losses to Dover before Jaquan Kilby got injured. And then they've uh, got five wins over playoff teams. So Sally's has played a tough schedule and has earned the number one seed. Uh, Smyrna squeaked into the playoffs. There's no other way around it. Yep. I'm not sure, Marty, if a team with four wins has ever made the Delaware High School football playoffs. Uh, that unless they're way back, there was an open tournament, which I don't think there ever was. I mean, I we've been doing this. I've been doing it for 15 years, and usually you had to get six wins to get in. I think a couple years, somebody with five wins got in. I don't ever remember a team with a losing record getting in. Do you? Now you're talking pre-realignment, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's I'm okay. Sorry. Yes. Because <clears throat> we've seen yeah. plenty since. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I should have clarified that. Yeah. Pre, pre-alignment when there was a division one yes, and a division right. two. Um, I don't, in, in my time covering high school football, there's never been a four-win team that got in. But I'm but a glad. I'm glad that they did. And so, uh, Marty, this is going to be, this is going to be, could be a classic. Uh, These are the two teams that, the only two teams that have two quarterbacks that would start in a lot of different places. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see how they both use them. Um, Sally's has gone with the hot hand and Mike Judy at Smyrna has gone, it's your turn, it's your turn back and forth, no matter what happened on the field. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I would imagine it's going to be the same. 
you know, uh, Gene Deldon's going to go with the hot hand because if he doesn't have the hot hand in there, their season's going to be over and they're not, yep. they're not going to have to practice on Thanksgiving. Um, and Mike Judy, I think, I don't know why he would change at this point because he didn't change already. You know, he <laughs> did, he didn't change when they were two and six or whatever they right. were. And he just kept going. And so, uh, he's got four titles. He knows what he's doing. Gene Deldon's trying to get his first title as a head coach. And, you know, I'll correct you on one thing. There's going to be four quarterbacks we'll see that could probably start anywhere else around the uh, – because Smyrna we know is going to play two. They, mm-hmm. they, there's no way they're switching at this point. That no. wouldn't make any sense. And if I'm Gene, at last week he played both quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, his philosophy, and I love this, is not necessarily what you do in the game before, but it's what you do in the practices leading up to the game. Uh, and both these guys apparently have been phenomenal now that when the, when the starting job started switching back and forth, they both sort of had a fire lit under them for practice. <laughs> Excuse me. So practices have been really, really uh, intense for the two of them. Uh, Sally's the thing for me is that Gene's offense is finally catching up to their defense. Defense has ruled the roost for Sally's this year. Uh, Paul Warlow's D they allowed uh, 26 points combined to Middletown and Smyrna. And, um, that's just that's just crazy. That's you know the way those teams score points. So uh, it's really been driven by the defense. But uh, offensively, it's taken a while for Gene's guys to get a hold of the new offense. And there's some there's some West Coast stuff in there. There's some downfield stuff in there. But you've got Ryan Store has completed sixty five percent of his passes, uh, eight touchdowns. McBride sixty nine percent of his passes, just short of seventy actually, six hundred forty yards, six touchdowns. The guy that that's, <laughs> excuse me, uh, by the way, folks, I've been sick all week. So I'm the one who had the laryngitis. <laughs> so you have to excuse me if I, if I'm a little rough here, but, uh, uh, Aline, BJ Aline has been the, the straw that stirs the drink for the Sal's team. He is just a, a monster. And I say this week after week, he's one of those kids who, you know, sort of defies the, the normal course of the game and gets stronger as it goes along, as the defense starts to weaken, this kid gets going, uh, and he is like a truck to bring down. Uh, we've seen him go for 100 yards in the fourth quarter uh, in the last two weeks, I know. Um, Sally's is going to be a tough out for anybody. They're the number one seed now. You said it's great that Smyrna is in, and there was a ton of stuff this week on the internet and so about how a four-win team shouldn't get in. But, you know, we can have another argument another time about are there too many. Is 8 of 12 too many to get in? But if you're taking eight to twelve, and Smyrna's not one of them, there's something wrong, right? It's an so they absolutely belong in this field. Right. I'm not sure Gene would love the fact that they, <laughs> that yeah. the way this worked out, gave them the eight seed. Right. Hey, congratulations! Your your first number one seed in almost ten years, and uh, you get a four time state champion. That's yeah. uh, de- can, has, de- defending champion. Yes, and, and by the way, who just is coming off of beating the number two overall seed in the right. tournament this past weekend in Sussex Central. So. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. You know, Marks and uh, and Tiberi, I thought it was interesting. Tiberi was named second team uh, quarterback. And <clears throat> it was odd only because if you look at their statistics, they're almost identical. And I kind of wondered how the coaches came to the conclusion that Tiberi or Marks would get it over the other. But it's, it's almost more like one of those package deals where you put, you know, Tiberi slash Marks as the second team quarterback there. Well, and, Ty- and Tiberi is a senior. So yes, that, he that is, might have he played is. into it. And I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure that plays <laughs> yeah. a consideration. Um, this is going to be interesting because Smyrna has a habit of coming back and, and avenging losses in the regular season in the playoffs. Middletown mm-hmm. uh, has, a, has a history of doing the same thing. Uh, Smyrna for me, 
it's going to be the uh, Phoenix Enriquez is going to have to be the key. Sally's defense completely shut him down in the first meeting. And what Paul Warlow's defense has been excellent at is fundamental tackling. Smyrna does so much, and you saw it this past week against Sussex Central, where they break the first tackle and then their guys are off to the races. Sally's doesn't miss miss that first tackle. Uh, At least they're not this year. They are so fundamentally sound. And in the matchup last time, Enriquez would catch those little bubble screens and he'd be brought down two, three yards after very quickly. Uh, Sally's can shed the blockers. Again, they're very fundamentally sound. So this is, you know, Smyrna, they were in a must-win situation those last two games. And, uh, you know, St. George's and Sussex Central, St. George's was down a bit. Uh, Sussex Central was not. <laughs> so that was a huge win. By the way, they fell behind 14 to nothing in that Sussex Central game. That could have gotten uh, really interesting in terms of whether Smyrna even gets in at that point. But um, I, Mike Judy's team just looks like they're clicking right now. And, and it's funny because Sally's defense is humming along right now. Smyrna's defense has kind of limped along all season. And and they've been the strength of the team in the past, you know, even going back to the Nolan Henderson years. Defense kind of set the tone for those for those uh, state championships. And, uh, I mean, of 35 points to Sussex Central, I believe they gave up 28 or 35 to St. George's. Uh, there's been a number of times where they've been torched on the field. So uh, if they can figure out the defense, they can they can walk it all the way to the championship game. I don't think they will in this matchup. I think the key is going to be Sally's defense. Um, I, I would give Sally's the slight edge here, but uh, this could be a really fun game. I, I you know, again, you, you go into these all these games, and last year we saw blowouts in different places, and but on paper, man, these games look phenomenal. Yeah. So, I, and I really hope it plays out that way. But uh, I think if the Sally's quarterbacks can control, uh, not turn the ball over, and Aline does his normal thing. And the Sally's defense plays well. They're going to be really, really tough to beat. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think the Sally's defense is going to be the key and could be and could be the difference. Um, you know, Aline's been running all over everybody. Yep. And you know, and Sally's can also put the ball up in the air. So it's going to be it's going to be a good game. I think I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. Um, I don't either. So and they're playing up at Abyssinio. It's actually the third time that Smyrna is going to play up at Abyssinio this year. You know, yeah. they played the Sally's up there the first time and they played against one of their um, teams from out of state up there as well. And so, again, remember, this will be on the uh, 302 Sports NFHS network. And it's also going to be on radio. Sean Green is going to do it for WDEL. So if you're in your car, you'll be able to listen to that game as well. All right. The other game in the top of the bracket is number four, Hudson and number five, Middletown. Um, this is where Middletown ended up because of losing to Appaquinnick for the first time in school history. Otherwise, it probably would have been flipped and Middletown yep. would be having a home game. And instead, uh, they're going to play on Saturday at 11 o'clock at Caravel Academy. Because remember, Hudson doesn't have a home football field this season. And so it's going to be at Caravel Academy. Uh, Parking is going to be interesting, Marty. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I was there for the uh, semifinal soccer game the other night, and parking was interesting. And there's going to be more people for this game than there yes. were for the semifinal soccer game. So uh, folks might want to go early to get a parking spot. Um, anyway, so both teams seven and three. Uh, when they played in week six, Middletown uh, beat Hudson 31 to 14. Um, I was also at that game. Um, and that was a game where I thought Hudson played right with them. Um, you know, you can't say the score was closer. You know, the game was closer than the score because it was only two touchdown difference or two or two right. and a half touchdown difference. Um, but, you know, uh, Hudson made some mistakes that if they don't make those mistakes, they're right in that game. And you could say, well, of course, that's true for any game. But, well, but it's not. You know, typically 
Uh, you might think Middletown would have blown Hudson out, but Hudson's had a great season under coach Dave Collins, uh, first year coach Dave Collins. Um, and so uh, just too many mistakes for Hudson that day. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think they were, uh, they were more even, they were like a four and a five team should be uh, yep. more so than not. Um, you know, Hudson's had a revival under Dave, uh, Dave Collins. Um, unfortunately, Brasheem Davis is not going to be playing. As you said, broke his ankle. We wish him nothing but the best. Uh, you know, he's a top player on offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, yep. He's scored in all three areas. And so that's a huge loss for Hudson at a, just a very, very tough time. Um, Middletown, uh, their first loss to Apo cost them that seeding, cost them home field advantage, but not home field advantage, cost them home field in the first round. Yep. Um, and so the big loss for that. Um, but, you know, it might have also been a good loss. You know, sometimes sometimes a loss like that before the playoffs when you're in a win or go home situation never hurt you. And so we'll see how they rebound. I can tell you what they need to work on is their personal fouls, their unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Mm-hmm. They had more than seven of them in the game against um, Apoquinimic. Now, granted, two of them were face masks, which I kind of don't count really, but still that leaves you with five. That's a lot of yardage to give up. They had one point where they got two in a row. They had a personal foul during the play and then a taunting or an unsportsman like after the play. So it was a 30 yard difference. And so um, that is something they are going to definitely have to clean up. Um, Hudson's got nothing to lose. They've had a tremendous season at seven and three. And if they play that way, you never know where that, what can happen, where the chips can fall. Uh, Middletown, they've got to play like they're under, under the gun because they are. Uh, nobody expected them to be a five seed this year. Yep. You know, Austin Troyer is a senior. It says last year, uh, Middletown's big. I saw them in person. They are big. They're quick. Uh, but again, they've got to play smart. Yeah, this is uh, this game. Uh, unfortunately, a big part of it, I think, is going to be Brushim Davis. The reason being, he plays such a role on special teams. Um, he plays defense. He plays offense. He kind of does a little bit of everything for them. Uh, for Sally's, of course, it starts and ends with with Austin Troyer, basically. Um, 56% of his passes, 2,400 yards, 24 touchdowns on the season. And then they have quite the receiving core. Uh, Ronell Davis, Matthew Priestley, B.J. Garrett all caught more than uh, 550 yards worth of passes. And that's not even including Avion Matthews, who, of course, joined late uh, because of his transfer situation. Uh, he averaged 14 yards a catch, 320 uh, yards uh, and, and four touchdowns. So they have weapons all over the field uh, running the ball. They, they also do a really nice job. They've got a, a sort of a committee backfield with Amari Glover and Makai Walker. Glover, 750 yards. Walker, 550 yards. They've accounted for 10 touchdowns between them. Um, defensively, Middletown always does a nice job. Um, the really the, the only game where they really got um, uh, kind of torched was was the Slazianum and Apoquinimum games, and then yeah. which was strange the way that happened. And of course, there was the pick six uh, at the end. But um, yeah, this is this is a this is a tough one. This if Brashim Davis had been healthy. There's no reason Hodgson doesn't win this. There's still not necessarily a reason they can't win this. I mean, you know, these are kids. Again, they're going up against each other. Um, they were down 17-14 at halftime, Hodgson was in that first meeting. Uh, and unfortunately, they get 17 points in the uh, in the third and fourth quarters without scoring themselves. But as you said, there's a lot of mistakes. And uh, guys like Xavier Brown have gotten better since then. Um, he's playing with a lot more confidence um Makai Beach of course um uh has done a, a phenomenal job for them all season 
And <clears throat> excuse me, this is uh this is a tough one. I, you know, I don't know necessarily that um, um, uh, one team or the other. I guess Middletown, even though they're the five seed, probably has the advantage. The fact that it's at Caravel too doesn't necessarily, you know, you take away a home game from a team, and right. you're still going to get a good crowd out there. I, I would hope you get a good crowd out there anyway. But uh, you know, the one thing that's funny, I'll just add to this, this because it, it was on my mind since you mentioned it. But um, one thing that bothers me in Delaware, and it, maybe it happens other places too, is uh whenever there's all these personal fouls and the taunting calls, and you and I have talked about this before, you never see a kid running off. No. They never get replaced. And I and always, they, I always think if yeah. nothing else, cool the kid down for a play and let them think about what they did. You don't have to scream at them. They know they, they screwed up, but um, man, you never see anybody come off the field right? anywhere, um, which is kind of just kind of disappointing at times. But uh this again has the potential to be a really good game. Dave has, as you've said, rejuvenated the Hodgson program, but uh, Coach Blum and his 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 defense uh, again. The the fact that it's a running game by committee. There's four receivers who can who can uh, you can spread the ball around to, and Troyer's been really good. There's been times he's struggled, but when he's on, he's very very good. And uh, this is going to be a tough one for Hodgson. If I had to, I would give a slight edge to Middletown as the five seed. Um, primarily because of the Bryce Davis injury. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if Bryce Davis is there, it's almost a toss-up, maybe favor to uh, Hudson, um because they're playing with house money, no pressure. Yep. You know, nobody expects them to beat Middletown, whether they had Bryce or not, nobody would expect them. Um, and I agree with the taunting, the personal foul. I think if you, I, my rule would be very simple. It's like a yellow card in soccer. You come out of the game. Yep. And in football, it could be very simple. You come out until that series is over. And it's, so it might only be one play or it might be 15 plays. Right. Uh, you never know. But it would certainly curtail it. You know, and again, it's one thing if it's a face mask. I wouldn't do it for a face mask, but I would do right. it for the taunting and the unsportsmanlike conducts uh, that were occurring. All right. Let's go to the bottom of the bracket. Number three, Dover. Number six, Cape. Dover nine and one. Uh, Cape seven and three. They play Friday at seven o'clock. These teams faced each other back in week eight. Dover with a relatively easy 35 to seven win over Cape. Uh, that, of course, was the week after Cape beat Smyrna, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yep. And so kind of uh, coming off a high Cape was and kind of back to reality. Um, Dover was my favorite and a lot of people's favorites before Jaquan Kilby got hurt. Um, Marty, I haven't heard an update whether he's going to be back. I know several weeks ago I heard he might be back for round two of the playoffs, but I haven't heard anything since then. So I'm not even going to try to guess if he's going to be back or not. We're going to assume that he's not. Uh, their only loss, as I said, was to, or I didn't say, but was to Sussex Central. Um, they have a bitter taste, the Senators do, because remember, they got clobbered last year at <laughs> Delaware Stadium in this championship game. Now, again, remember, they didn't have Jaquan Kilby for that game either. I'm not saying they would have won, but it certainly wouldn't have been the clobbering that they took. And so they've got a bitter taste. They've got a reason to get back there and make things right uh, for Cape. Uh, they only, only have one win against a tournament team, and that's Smyrna. So it's a number eight seed in the tournament. Yep. Uh, they lost round one last year, 50 to nothing to Smyrna. <laughs> uh, second year coach Mike Frederick has done an excellent job at Cape Henlopen. Um, they've got to go into this game knowing they're playing with house money. You know, they made the playoffs. They got to round one. They might be playing against the best team in the state of Delaware, even without Jaquan Kilby. I think some yep. people could argue that. And so they've just got to go in and try to hold on their own. And I think the most important thing, Marty, is that they can't let Dover jump out to a quick lead. I've seen the quick strike Dover team in person a couple of times. <laughs> and if that happens, not sure how Cape's going to respond to that. So I think that's got to be a top priority is, hey, 
even if we're going to let Dover score once or twice in the first quarter, let's not be have it take place the first three minutes of the game and our offense, right. our defense is out there uh, for a long time right off the bat. So I think that's going to be key is for Cape to stay in the game, get to halftime and still be within striking distance. Um, otherwise, I think Dover could just roll. There was an interesting somebody posted uh, uh, something about one of the other running backs in the state and um, Jaquan Kilby put it on his Twitter account. We'll be there when we play Cape next weekend, which made me wonder maybe I'm maybe he is thinking about yeah. it. Um, by the way, the kid does have, I know, a, 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 brilliant, a brilliant track future ahead of him as well. He's a, a track athlete. Mm-hmm. Um so it's always one of those things where he he's had the last two years now, he's had some pretty serious injuries. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. It's a shame for Dover that it's happened both years and for him, of course. Right. But uh, they're just now starting to round into the shape where they've gotten Parker into this kind of dual role, John Parker, that he uh, plays running back when they need him. And uh, last week they spread him back out wide and uh, he caught some big time passes. But uh, they put him in the backfield, and I mean, on 107 carries, he had 848 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, that's pretty good production from a kid who wasn't playing running back at the beginning <laughs> of the season. Uh, by the way, he also found time for – he only caught 20 balls, but he caught him for almost 500 yards and four touchdowns. So mm-hmm. this kid – you know, I, I've said all year that, uh, you know, the three-headed monster of, of Cosme, Kilby, and Parker – uh, maybe the biggest offensive threat in in Delaware, um, all in the same backfield. Um, for Cape, this is this is interesting. You know, they they um, had an interesting start to the season again. We we talked about the yep. whole the two A teams, and then it it seemed to get a little bit tough for them. But uh, there's a couple things to look at for Cape. I mean, one, um, Jamison Tingle's done a nice job uh, at quarterback. Fifty five percent of his passes, uh, five touchdowns. Of course, Markai James. Um, who you you and I have have loved. He played so well the last two years. Twelve hundred yards this year, uh, fifteen touchdowns. They don't throw the ball a lot. McCoy's their top receiver with one hundred and ninety five yards. But um, one of the things Wilson Ingerski is one of the weapons you have to look for in a game like this because Cape has one of the best kickers in the state. Ingerski's twenty eight of twenty nine PATs. He's kicked a couple field goals. Um, if it comes down to it. And Dover without Kilby has played a lot more close games than mm-hmm. they did with Kilby. So it'll be interesting to see if um, how that plays out. You know, the Cape Cape has been – they're one of those – with Frederick, we always say, you know, he's going to be capable of – he's going to get them into a position at some point playing right. for a title. And, you know, it's odd again. We didn't mention this at first, but we had the same thing happen again this year because the committee did not make the rule that they had said they were going to, that Apple rule. So you've got Sally Smyrna – and uh and Middletown in the top half of the bracket again right. and Dover's down the bottom saying hey we'll take it you know um <laughs> but I, I do think you have a stronger bottom half of the bracket yes. than you had last year yep. and there's a lot more parity there so this is another game that on paper I think could be phenomenal mm-hmm. Dover it just isn't the explosive team they were when Kilby was in there now if he comes back he's still coming back from an injury so you never know they can still put points on the board but um, there's a little bit more vulnerability there. Um, they had the issue with uh, with a kicker that they may or may not have because of the of the car accident earlier this year. So this is another game that could go down to the wire. And if Cape is able to get off to a strong start, um, 
you never know. I mean, I, you know, Cape, uh, they're one of those teams that kind of lurks around the, the fringe of 3A since that we've gone to the realignment <laughs> phase. And uh, <clears throat> they just seem like at some point they're poised to strike and this could be the year. This would be the biggest win for them in a long time if they're able to pull this Absolutely. off. Because, again, we've been covering this for, you know, almost 15 years and Cape didn't make the playoffs most of those years and certainly yep. didn't have a big win like this would be. So, uh, anyway, so Dover and Cape Friday at 7 o'clock. All right, before we round out the bottom half of the bracket, I want to remind you about Dan Rigby and his Win the Day Planner. And it's a perfect thing, whether you're an athlete or just a person who needs help managing their time. It's, uh, it can be an 18-week sports season or a 42-week one. They also have a special wrestling one because, of course, Dan Rigby was a longtime wrestling coach at Cesar Rodney and Milford High School where he went to multiple state championships and won a combined three state titles with at least one at both of those schools. And so he's got a lot of experience working with athletes of all ages and all abilities, not just state champions. And you can get that win the day planner at winthedayplanner.com. Again, that's winthedayplanner.com. I've got one for my son getting ready to order one for the other one. And uh, <laughs> it's just a great way for them to keep track and kind of take some of the responsibility on themselves of what they need to achieve day to day. And if they don't, how they're going to fix that or remedy it for the day after. So again, that's winthedayplanner.com. And also, if you're looking for a real estate agent, Mary-Kate Johnston with Real Remax Associates will help you sell or buy your house for whatever reason you're doing it. She's got more than 20 years experience. She's an award-winning realtor. It could be an upsize, a downsize, first-time sale of your house, maybe for your parents, your kids, yourselves, whatever it is. But Mary-Kate Johnson with REMAX Associates will help you sell it as if it was her own and help you buy as if she was the one looking in the market. Her website is marykatej.remax.com. That's marykatej.remax.com. All right, last one of Class 3A, bottom of the bracket, Sussex Central, the number two seed against Apoquinimic, the number seven seed. Sussex Central with a seven and three record, Apoquinimic with a six and four record. They're going to play Friday night at seven o'clock. I'm planning to go down for this game. Back in week number five, I was at the game when they played. Apoquinimic pulled out a stunning win, 31 to 30. Stunning because Sussex Central led by 17 in the second half. And somehow Apoquinimic pulled it off. And Marty, Apoquinimic pulled it off without some guy named Run DMC, better known <laughs> as Daniel McConomy, who made the all district first team playing just four games this year. He broke his collarbone. I think it was week number two. Everybody yep. thought he was gone for the season, including us. Came back a couple weeks ago. So they pulled off a one-point win over Sussex Central without Daniel McConomy. Daniel McConomy is back. But they're going to have their hands full because Sussex Central has shown that they can grind it out. They have that wing tee office yep. offense, which just takes time off the clock. And they've got a solid defense. John Wells is one of the best head coaches in the state, not only in football, but as a softball coach as well. Their three losses were to Middletown, Apoquinimic, as we mentioned, and then most recently to Smyrna. Nobody predicted Sussex Central would win District 2. In fact, for the first half of the season, Marty, we didn't have them in our top four. <laughs> and here they are at number two. Um, Apoquinimic coming off a huge emotional thriller, the win over Middletown. And it was just, you know, they, they, I know they enjoyed it. And then they had to come real back down to earth real quick. <laughs> and knowing that whoever they got yep. in the playoffs was going to be another tough game. And so, um, you know, Apoquinimic's not going to be overconfident because they know the win that they came back in was uh, fluke's not the right word because they earned it, but you don't mm -hmm. see many football teams come back 
17 points against good teams, which is what Sussex Central is. Um, this, to me, is my if if I had to if I had to bet on all four games or had to bet Marty and you said you got to pick three of the four in place of bet. This is the one I would not bet on because <laughs> I think it is a toss up um, for a lot of different reasons. And so um, it's you know that that's all I can say about it. I think it's a toss up. You got two well coached teams. They played to within one point of each other during the regular season. They've both gotten better since. Apoquinimic's got the best run, one of the best running backs in the state back in the backfield, um, and they still got Glover, who looked like one of the best running backs in the state every time he touched the ball when McConomy was out. So they've got yep. a solid backfield. And then anytime you play against a wing T offense, it's a challenge. Anytime you play, it's a challenge, no matter how much you see it. So, again, this is my Class 3A toss-up game. Yeah, this is uh, and and <clears throat> by the way, the first matchup it was thirty to thirteen at the end of the third quarter. So oh, that uh, what it was? they third scored quarter. at the on the first play of the fourth quarter, but it was that scoreboard read thirty to thirteen at the end of the third quarter. That's crazy that they were able to come back. I know I turned it for a while until you texted me and said, "My God, are you watching this?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and and of course they they pull it off, which was just incredible. Yeah, Sussex Central. I was going to say the same thing about the wing T. It's um they're one of the only teams that's still running it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Tubby Raymond uh, aficionados, they all love that, that they continue to run it down there, but they do a lot of things by committee. They, um, they don't throw the ball a lot. Julius Cannon only uh, completed 22 passes on the season. Uh, he did complete it for uh, 400 yards and four touchdowns, but they've got like a four headed monster in the, in the uh, uh, backfield. They've got Kevon Moore brittle. Who's had a phenomenal season, Malik Bell, William Harmon and Jawan Sturgis and Jawan Sturgis is the the least of that group and he ran for 491 yards so they've got four guys who've ran between 700 and 500 yards basically so they're going to run the ball and they do those counters those traps those those crazy plays that, that it's so difficult sometimes you know the wing team today it's almost akin to teams running the wishbone where it's so difficult if you don't face it all the time. Now, Apo has the experience of playing it earlier this season. Now, you could look at it one of two ways. They did come back and win. They did give up 30 points. Right. So, um, And the key for Sussex Central is they're outscoring opponents by more than 50 points in the first quarter. So for them, the key is getting off to a hot start. It didn't serve them in the middle ten in the Apo game, but that's more of an outlier than anything else right. for this team. Um, they are really strong. As you said, they, they kind of flew under the radar all season. And all of a sudden we get to the final week and you're like, well, it's down to them and Sally's for the number one seed. And as it turned out, wouldn't have matter what happened with the Sally's game because they had already accrued enough bonus points to get the number one seed. But, uh, it's, it's, it's been an interesting season. We have yeah. these teams that, that we just didn't expect to be in these positions. Um, one of the guys I think that could be a key for Sussex Central is their kicker, Rodney Escobar Gonzalez. Um, and he's had a great season. I think he is uh, 21, uh, 27 of 31 on extra points. Uh, he has a couple made field goals. And again, I always point out these kickers because a lot of times these games um, will come down to, to a final play here or there. Or if you have a good kicker, and we've seen this with Smyrna during the year, and you're not able to convert your two-point conversions, having a guy who goes out there and is automatic for that one point can mean a lot. So uh, th this is a is it's going to be a tough game. And, and uh, you know, Apo, it's, it's crazy to me that McConomy is back, first of all. I didn't expect that. 
uh, Jaden Glover is still there. And mm-hmm. this kid is phenomenal. 166 carries, 839 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, of course, Hoff, 47 catches, 891 and nine touchdowns. Uh, Dom Montebell, 218 yards. Dylan Griffith, 381 yards. So their offense is humming along. Their defense is actually pretty good as well. Amari Cofield, 61 solo tackles, uh, 13 sacks, 15 tackles for loss. Uh, the the tremendously named Edgevon Brandt with 94 solo tackles. Uh, his brother Layton with 21 tackles, um, seven tackles for loss. There's a, the, both of these teams have strong players. Kevin Moore Brittle plays phenomenal defense for Sussex Central. I agree. I think this could be the toss-up game of the week. There's a couple I think where it really could come down to the to the final play. Um, and these two te- these two teams that did have it come down to the final yeah. play in the first time they met. Yeah. So yeah, this is absolutely a toss-up. It wouldn't surprise me one way or the other to see either one of these teams move on. For Apo, there's two things. One is you worry about the emotional letdown of coming out for a game. They they get so hyped coming out for that Middletown game, and then it stays that way the entire game. Then you're going to come out on a, I believe this game is a Saturday morning, isn't it? This is a, it's not, I don't believe, isn't it Friday a night at game? Seven. Friday. Oh, Friday yeah, at 7 Friday is night. okay. Yep. Okay. So it's, um, it, it, the other part of it is Apo was the number one seed, uh, uh, the number two seed overall last year. And remember, they got knocked off in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. So there's got to be a sense of, hey, we had a good season last year too, and we let it slip away in that first game. So, yeah, I, both these teams are, are going to be so highly motivated. Um, it, this should be a great game. I, I'm really interested to see this one. I'll be there live, but if you're not going to be there live, the NFHS network is carrying it. Three of two sports will be the broadcasters will be there on that for that as well. So that's another game you can watch uh, on the live stream. So going to be a good one for sure. Um, as, as the class three, a tournament is going to be, uh, you yeah. know, Marty, we, we, we more or less selected these eight teams and it wasn't rocket science necessarily, but we <laughs> didn't think uh, we wouldn't have been close to the order that they actually turned out to be for sure. No. And so uh, that's what makes it an exciting thing. So uh, we're going to close down this podcast. If you're interested in the class one and class two podcasts, they're going to come out separately. We do that because we realize the interest becomes more focused on classes at this point in the tournament. So uh, those pods will drop as well. Want to thank our sponsors, Grain Restaurant, the Marticelli Restaurant Group, Diamond Hill Incorporated, Mary Kate Johnson with Remax Associates, and Dan Rigby, author of the Win of the Day Planner. And of course, the primary sponsor of the podcast, websitesforsports.com. If you're a sports player, fan, parent, whatever, it's the only website that you need for schedule information, roster information, Google Maps to the games, et cetera, et cetera. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at DELHS Football and Facebook at the Delaware hs football pod and we are excited it's playoff time and hope that you are and uh those are the class three our thoughts and uh we can't wait for it to all get started and uh, we look forward to having you go along on the ride with us until next time i'm john busby he's marty sheehan have a great sports week hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.